okay. So I feel like God has been leading me in a direction to kind of, well, he's just been exposing a lot of stuff that I've already known spiritually, but like, it's like I'm being able to know them like consciously. I don't know if that's a good thing because I'm fighting, I'm fighting to know this information, but as long as I'm fighting, they don't want me to know it. So if they want me to know it, does that mean that I'm not fighting anymore? It's something that I wonder about. But something that I noticed that God, you know, is doing through a lot of us, a lot of people, they are posting prophetic words and they're allowing God to speak through them. And I asked God about that at a certain period of time. And what God said to me was, well, if you want to do that, you can do that. But I had something more for you. So, you know, just trust and and wait and be patient for what I have for you. You can have that. I've been trying to do that, but it's just become more and more difficult lately because, for one, I've been feeling like it's like being, I'm being convinced, like I'm being persuaded not to want that, not to want what God has for me. Not that anyone can take what God has for you. But if no one can really take what God has for you, then I shouldn't be dealing with what I'm dealing with. I shouldn't be going through the things I'm going through. I shouldn't be facing the different things that I'm facing. But what I felt like is that I've been kind of being persuaded and convinced to kind of give up on all that God has for me. I don't feel that God would ever do that. So you want to believe that it's Satan, but you don't want to give Satan all that credit. Satan does not deserve all that credit. He doesn't have the power or the ability you know, to truly keep you away from everything that God has for you. So either it means that he will never be able to ultimately complete that, or it means that that's not Satan, that's God. And he's trying to tell me something. He's trying to, you know, redirect me because maybe he doesn't want, you know, he doesn't feel like, you know, I am motivated enough to have what it is that he has for me or that I am, you know, maybe slacking off or starting to give in into certain temptations and allow myself not, you know, just not being, you know, all that I need to be and showing and proving to him that I will become and be all that I need to be in order to, you know, be prepared or deserve that position. But I don't even want to entertain, you know, a certain part portion of the argument. The reason being because the fact of the matter is that God already knows. God already knows where you're going to end up. He knew from start to finish. He knows from start to finish where you're going, where you're going to be, and what you're going to have. But the reason why, you know, I still am, it still feels like it's a, it's an, it's debatable because even though God knows and he has plans for you and he tells you what you should do, He's hoping for you to make these right decisions. There's still a possibility that you'll make the wrong one. There's still a possibility that you can go down the wrong path. There's still a possibility that you can choose the wrong thing. And so it would never be a conversation if it weren't a possibility that you could possibly not end up there or have it. Not only that, you know, I've seen different situations and different people. And I don't want to start claiming this or start to think negatively, but I've just seen different people in different situations 
where, you know, different individuals, not that you're supposed to compare yourself or feel as if you know what someone else is dealing with or what it's like to be in their shoes. Just the fact that I've seen different situations and feel that God has given me a word on them and the word that it feels that he has given me on them is that they settled. They settled for this. When I had this for them, I had something so much bigger for this individual. They settled for that. You know, they got tired of waiting or maybe they just, you know, got eager, excited, wanted to have it now, you know, whatever the reason, you know, they settled. And the person I see him do this with that I really, that it really hurt my heart big time was Pastor Mike Jr. He, in the process of this, this, this journey I've been on, I felt that he'd been, he's been a part of the end time army. And I may not have noticed it, but he was there, I feel like, and he was fighting and God had something so big for him. And then in the process of what's been happening here, as I've been backsliding, which I feel that I've been affecting a lot of people's faith, I feel like as a whole, we are, you know, connected. And when one of us starts to slack off or or fade off or fade away from being their best, it starts to create a a ripple wave effect in you know, a lot of other believers. And that's, I feel like that's, you know, ultimately Satan's goal. But, you know, while he's, you know, the, the, a big portion or or tactic of war is to divide and conquer. So he'll get you or try his best to get you separately away from the army, away from Jesus, away from the things that you know, and he'll try to convince you that it's about you, and it's about you winning, and it's about you having what you're supposed to have, and it's not about all of us as a whole, and that you don't need to hold out and wait and be willing to sacrifice and be the lowest of the low, or the weakest of the weak, so that someone else can be strong, and when it comes down to it, once you start to think about you more, you start to become full of yourself and you start to stop considering those around you as much as you usually would or as much as God has led you to do, then you'll start to believe that you got to get what you got to get for you now. It's about me. It's about what I need. It's about what I need to have. And this is about selflessness. It has a lot to do with selflessness compared to selfishness. So I don't know fully Pastor Mike Jr.'s story, and I don't want to pretend as if I do. But I will just say that, you know, God has shown me that he is extremely favored. He has been extremely favored. And, you know, when God says he has something so much bigger for somebody, so much something so much bigger than you can think or imagine, and then you see somebody at already at super great, amazing heights, you just, it, you have to mourn how much bigger or how much greater it really could have gotten or been for them. And for them to have chosen that or have, you know, settled for that, I'm not going to judge anybody because I know the pressures I'm facing, I'm dealing with them right now. I'm suffering. I'm starving. I'm hungry. I am, you know, being neglected. I'm being deprived of so many different things. And not only that, tortured and tormented on a daily basis. This is very hard to be in the wilderness and to have to choose God and to have to do everything that you can to keep your mind on the right path of choosing God at all times when Satan is doing and using everything he possibly can around you in order to weaken you. You have to come out of your flesh and that's not easy as easy done as it is said. You know, 
that carnal mind that you fight, that things that you are fighting. And then God exposing to you that a lot of these demons that are attached to you have been attached to you since you were like five years old. So before you even knew, you know, who you were, the things that you were going to gravitate towards, these demons have been convincing you and tricking you into believe that this is you, this is your character. And so oftentimes you don't understand how they actually you know, contain the same strength as you have. You are stronger because God made you stronger. But at the end of the day, it's going to feel like fighting yourself. It's going to feel like you are up against yourself. And and I've heard so many different times the saying goes, you know, it's one thing to fight someone else and even someone who's stronger than you. But it's no harder battle than when you have to fight yourself because you know you. You know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, you know where to meet or link up with yourself when it comes to strategizing, when it comes to physical, you know, overpowering, whatever it is that you need to do to win. You're going to always be right there. You have to just be stronger. You have to just be faithful and confident. Oftentimes, it's just going to take a miracle from God, period, because these demons are under strong delusion. They know that they're from hell, but they believe that they will be going to heaven with you. Or if they cannot go to heaven with you, they believe that they will be dragging you down to hell. So when you understand that the demon has grown up with you, everything that you know, everything that you think that you are, ever since you can remember, these demons have been there. You feel like you, you're, it's impossible, that, like you're without chance against them. This is me. This is who I am. This is not who you are. This is not who you are. And I can't speak for people I don't really know and I haven't really had to, you know, I can't speak for them, but I won't speak for people I don't really know and I haven't really had to be there all the time on it like Satan's on it. See, Satan studies you 24-7 all the time. So if you love someone and you want them to make it out, you got to be studying them like Satan does. You have to do everything Satan does and then some. And sometimes it's going to feel like there's no way you can ever match up with all that Satan is doing. He's too crafty. He's working all the time and he's treating it like life or death because it is for him. He ultimately goes into the bottomless pit. He's trying to either delay that or drag as many people down with him as possible. So he's treating that like life or death. He's fighting for every single last distraction, every single last little thing. It's about life or death for Satan. So we oftentimes don't treat it like that because we are spoiled. Little do you know, we are spoiled by God. We are coddled. He lavishes his love on us. We are carried. And yes, we have God. So we will never have to fear Satan. But at the end of the day, if you care for someone and they are headed for destruction and they may not necessarily be in God's hands and you want to help them and you want to get them out because I'm not speaking on this of this on the terms as if I'm better than someone, but sometimes God will recruit you in order to be that for somebody. Sometimes you're going to have to be someone else's angel, even while you're still trying to get yourself in the right position with him. And the fact of the matter is he may, he may require for you to do that first, because in order for him to help you, he wants to see you helping others. That's how you gain more power. That's how you gain more momentum. That's how you gain more, you know, 
of rapport with God so that he'll feel more motivated about helping you and showing more mercy in you. Forgive to be forgiven. Every single time that you are forgiving someone, you are fighting for someone, you are showing kindness and you are sacrificing things. Instead of you having it, you allow someone else to have it. God is willing to help you and get you to where you need to be because he sees what you are willing to do for someone else. You cannot be a selfish, manipulative, self-centered individual and expect God to, you know, show as much mercy and grace or favor on you as you really want. It's not going to work like that. So God is gracious. He's going to show mercy and grace regardless. But oftentimes the things that we want in life, the way we want it to happen, you know, if we want it, we want to be carried, we want it to be easier, we want it to be smoother, we want to be loved on the way. We don't want to have to be tortured as much. We don't want to have to suffer as much. We don't want to have to go through as many wilderness as we will have to climb as many mountains as we will otherwise have to. If you want God to show that much mercy and grace on you, you have to be showing that for someone else. You have to be willing to climb that mountain with someone else on your back. You have to be willing to go through all of these different things for someone else. And this is just something that I've just noticed and I've, I've recognized recently. And you know, sometimes it's hard to get people to see that. So a lot of people have felt like Jesus, you know, is deceptive or deceiving. Like he's a liar. He didn't say all that. And then when you get to this point, now you have to do all that. And I don't like that. And I don't think that's fair. And I'm turning away. And the thing is, Jesus didn't lie to you. He's teaching me how to do the same thing. It's not a lie. He's always telling the truth. What he's doing is he's protecting your mind. If he tells you what you're going to have to deal with right now, you're not going to get up and do this first step. But once you get over this first step, what you'll find is after you've done that, now you have the, you're equipped. Now you're equipped to get over this next step. It's not going to be as hard as it's going to seem before you get over the first one. He has to get you there with the information that you can handle right now. He's not lying to you. He's carrying you. So that's what I've noticed I've had to deal with. So it's, it's a lot of times difficult for me to help people because sometimes people, you know, are, you know, they're, they're in the mix and, you know, sometimes they just want to catch you in a lie. They just want to believe certain things are Satan. You know, he's kind of using people. So he'll try and give them information, you know, then they'll come like, is this true? Is this true? And then you're like, listen, like, it's, that's not important right now. You have to get over this first. And people want to stay hung up on that. No, you're lying to me. This is the truth. Satan is the liar. You have to trust God first. Because if you do not trust God first, you will not understand how crafty he is. He will get partial truth. And he will come and try to destroy the truth. He does not tell the truth. He's a liar. And if you stay behind, you won't figure it out until it's too late. You won't figure it out until he already feels as if you don't have a chance. So... You have to just trust. You have to suffer through whatever your mind is putting you through in order to get past this. I'm still learning the process, but that's the that's the only that's the best example to have. Someone who's learning with you, someone who's in it with you, someone who has to go through it with you. So oftentimes, yes, God even places me back or down or beneath or in places I've already made it past over a million times in order to help someone else out of that miry pit. That's what Jesus does for every time. He will get filthy with you in order to cleanse you. So I want to use this thing as an example. There are certain people 
who you have to study like Satan studies, who you have to be there like Satan is there for them because you want to save them. You want to see them save. You love them that much. You want to see them go there. You don't, you, you can't stand to see them hurting or being tortured by Satan. You don't want to leave them behind. So there are certain people who you have to study that well, who you have to be there for, who you have to be there every single time they're getting into things, anything that Satan entices them with. You have to know their sin like Satan knows their sin in order to be able to help them out of something, in order to be able to get them past the place, in order to be able to fight them out of a place. And so oftentimes that looks like falling into the same sin or temptation as they fall into. And you possibly wouldn't have even done it. You possibly wouldn't have even been there. You possibly could have avoided this a million times. You would have never been in an environment of this magnitude. And then it's even different when you care about what people think. You cannot care about what people think because they're going to be believers, people who know you, people who love you, people who are fighting for you, people who will be willing to help you. And they will see you doing that and be like, they will be like, is this you? Is this really you? You're doing stuff like this. I thought I knew you better than that. And they will want to turn their back on you because they don't quite understand that you have to get down dirty with the person that you are here to be an angel for in order to pull them out of the dirt. And you're going to have to look just like them. You're going to have to even possibly be just like them in order to get them to see what it is that they need to see that God is telling them. Sometimes they're just ignoring him or other times they're just not motivated to do it. So... That's sometimes what you're going to be required to do on top of everything else that God has you assigned to. Because as I said, if you're just doing this for people you love and not just doing this for anybody, showing no partiality, that is still technically being selfish. So that is something I noticed. You have to show no partiality. So also something I've noticed that God is showing me that is being exposed lately is that God... He has me blinded to what I'm doing and just trusting him blindly. Like, just focus on me. Don't worry about what you're doing. Just trust me. Just like when Peter walked off in the water. And oftentimes I'm looking around because I want information. What am I doing? What are we doing? Where are we going? You know, you're asking all the time. But you need to focus on him because the second that you look around and you're saying, what am I doing? Where am I going? It's the second that you start to sink because you're losing faith. You're losing trust. You're not as confident as you should be. Yes, God could still hold you up. But the point is the faith and the trust. That is what's getting you through it. You need to trust him. Have faith. Follow him blindly. So I noticed that I've been doing that a lot lately. And oftentimes that's the only way that they can get me to slip up. If they can distract me with or entice me or tempt me into, you know, looking or taking a peek at what God is doing through me and where he's guiding me through. Sometimes, and they all, you know, Satan is very crafty. He knows what he's doing. He'll always try to catch you when you're in the air or when you're, you know, in, you know, walking on water with Jesus so that you can look down and get afraid so that you can, you know, get, so he can shake you up and make you, you know, panic so that he can create some sort of panic. And start a ripple wave affecting you and whoever else God is using you in order to get through to. So it's always a battle in so many different ways. But these things, I feel like it's necessary for me to help other people to see and know. Because if you ever find yourself in this place and you're just wondering, what is this? What's going on? Like I have for so long. I want to be the person who has been able to learn this for you so you don't have to learn the hard way like I did. Bump your head as many times. 
you might still have to. You're going to possibly want to see for yourself. But if I could prevent that in any way, if I could even prevent it for one time or half a time, or even just put it on your heart as a possibility that could ever happen. That's what God is doing this through us for. We're supposed to put everything we learn all together in a pool and learn from other people's mistakes, learn from other people's testimonies, and it, it, it motivates you. It motivates you to know that you'll get through. Just like an inspirational story, you see someone who started from nothing, now they have everything. It motivates you to believe that you can do that too. This can happen for you. So, you know, another thing that God has been pointing out to me lately is to appreciate and embrace all that he's done for me and all that I have. So I do my best to do that, but oftentimes I realize that God is leading me away from really lingering on it and getting comfortable and kind of like, you know, I can't like, I've seen a vision of myself and I was kind of like, you know, just cleaning my trophies and kind of just like admiring my trophy room and just sitting, I could just sit back, have peace and just enjoy all that God has done. I haven't been able to do that lately because Satan is so mad. He is so mad that it's like that close to the end for him is that close to, you know, him losing forever in my life for sure, but hopefully in so many others and millions of others lives. So Satan is very, very mad right now. He's frantically running around trying to destroy a lot of different things around me. And so I can't, I'm, I don't have the ability to sit back and, you know, admire my trophies and clean them like I used to and just clean my weapons and clean my trophies and, you know, just reminisce on, you know, all the hard work it took to get there, but how I have gotten there. All these accomplishments that, I, that I've had. God has been leading me away from doing that. No time wasted because Satan hates that way more right now. Way more than you getting out. Way more than God, you know, pulling other people out through you. Way more than the, his ultimate loss. He hates the fact that you are able to sit back and reminisce on your progress and appreciate it. And he will even try and trick you into believing the reason why you're so upset, the reason why you're so depressed, the reason why you're so down is because you need to sit back and appreciate all the work and progress that you have right now. It is possible for you to be grateful for all everything that you've made it through and everywhere that you've gone, everywhere, everywhere that you've gone through, everything you've gone through, everyone that you've been able to help in a project process everything that God is doing through you it's possible for you to have that somewhere at all times but not allow Satan to know where it is when he knows where it is he's going to keep you caught up on that so that he can somehow start to scare you it's like a don't look down type mindset I never felt I used to never fear looking down I was never afraid of heights so I always feel like when people say, don't look down, don't look down. I used to always feel like, you know, man, you know, either I'm a strong-minded individual or it just hasn't hit me yet. You know, that actual effect of looking down and being afraid of, you know, starting to sink because of it or, you know, panicking. And I always saw, you know, like the visions of the flying. When you're flying, you know... With the movies, when they're like the first time they're flying, it's like, don't look down because you'll start to panic. And then they look down and then they're just flying all over the place. They can't control it. And they're, throwing, they're falling into stuff and they're falling into. They, 
you know, feel like they're about to plummet and hit the earth. And right before they plummet and hit the earth, they catch it, you know, not being able to, not being able to control it right until that point, right before they die. That's what I've noticed inside of myself many times. But the thing about it is, you know, I didn't think that I was that type of individual. But I feel that maybe God is showing me that all those times where I lingered on thoughts about, you know, whether I'm that type of individual or whether I would, you know, worry about these different things when I wasn't worried about it. And maybe it was a word of him saying that one day you will be and you'll see, you know, you'll see that you'll have to go through this one day. You'll see that, you know, what you'll understand what it's like when other people, you know, have felt these things. Doesn't mean that you're behind, though. It does not necessarily mean you're behind. Do not compare yourself to anyone else's life. But it may just be something that God wants you to take into account to possibly prepare yourself for. Because maybe you need that preparation before you finally actually get there. So I'm seeing that too. But, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, distract anybody or, or, or preach the wrong message. Not that I'm a preacher, but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, sow the wrong message. What I'm saying is, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, you should just trust God and trust him no matter what it looks like. Even if you look down, you panic and you fall and you plummet, he'll catch you. He has you. No matter what it looks like, even if it feels like you have a boulder on top of you, which I have to admit, like two days ago, no, it was yesterday or the day before, I just felt this feeling of like, there is like a big, gigantic, like, who knows, million time, ton boulder on my chest. It's on my chest and the enemy has thrown it on me and I'm pinned down by it right now. Right now, I'm pinned by this boulder, but I can get up at any time if I just believe that I can, but I'm not allowing myself to get up right now, and the reason why is because I don't, I want to figure out how he was able to get it on me. I want to prevent, I want to take preventative measures of getting it off, and not only that, you know, I possibly could have got it off and I would have been out. I want to learn how to get it off of me for someone else too. Like in the process, can, can I be an example to help someone else possibly get this boulder off of their chest if they ever find themselves in this position? Teaching someone to fish, teaching someone to fight their way out of this, teaching someone to prevail past these many different tactics of Satan, because I'm sure I've been here before. But allowing yourself to be placed in a position of vulnerability, trusting that God will carry you through as long as you have the right intentions. It's not it's not selfish intent. It's not for nothing else but God, doing God's word and God's work and staying focused on that. And even if someone tries to get you to lose sight of that, knowing that God has you. God has you at all times. They cannot beat God. They may be able to get around you. They may be able to get around what you know. They may be able to get around your experience. They may be even able to get around everyone who is backing you experience or whatever, but they will never be able to get around God. Satan can't get around God, so how can they when he's using them? And you know that he's using them. If they ever want to somehow sabotage anything that God is doing through you or just sabotage you, period. Because when God is working through you, you don't sabotage people. When God is working through you, 
All you do is trust him to handle it. Trust God to handle that. So I've been debating about different things that I've been up to lately. You know, I have it in my heart that I want to, you know, prevent certain situations that seem unfair, that seem wrong, that seem against, you know, God's commandments. Like, it's not something I feel that God will be wanting wanting someone to be doing. But is it really necessarily my business when he hasn't technically placed it specifically on my plate? But it is possible that it is part of it. You know, am I wrong? And I don't believe that I am because oftentimes it's, been, it's possibly been so many different situations, so many more wrong things that I'm sure in my heart, if I had the ability to get to and work on every second of every day, I would be on that. I want to do that. I want to go and handle that and fix that for God. Like I am that person. I want, you know, I really want good for real. But I don't bother those things because God is saying, don't bother them. Maybe he has someone else on that mission. Someone else is doing that or he has other plans for that. That's not his will for you. So you don't bother those things. So I know that anything he has in my path is meant for, meant to be there. Anything he has on my plate is meant to be there. And it might look bad. It might look like it's not going to work out. But you truly have to trust the process. And so it's going to hurt. And it's going to be different things that are going to happen in the process. But Ultimately, I know that God has a plan for this situation. He would not place it here. He would not give it to me if he didn't have plans on, you know, working it out, you know, in his favor. Because it doesn't have to be in my favor, but in his favor. Sometimes you think you wanted it to go a certain way, and God says, no, it's going to go this way. You're not getting your way. They're not getting their way. No one's getting their way but God, and that's fine with me. That's why you have to submit to God's will. But ultimately, I know that I would not be fooled by saying I'm already submitted to God's will. So it was never my way. You know, a lot of people are going to want to shoot the messenger. A lot of people are going to want to, you know, attack you and fight you because they're like, it's you that's doing this. No, it's not me. You know, just because I agree with God or just because I'm willing to allow him to use me in, you know, situations in order to get things done does not mean it's me. It's not me you're fighting, and you'll see that when you feel as if you have enough to beat me or you've conquered me, and you still haven't won because it's not me. So that's what I'm facing, I'm dealing with, but, you know, it's fine because I'm just seeing it. You know, I'm seeing new I'm seeing new sides of things, and it's just it's allowing me to think in certain levels. I'm getting different gifts, but I don't know if I'll be able to keep them because it's like, are these things that I would have gotten based off of some sort of other deal? Like, if this works out for them and if that doesn't work out for them, they want it all back type thing. That happens to me often. But that's okay because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I want God's will. Whatever I have to give back, I'll give back. That's what that is. We'll see what God says. We'll see how God does things. But, um... I had a vision earlier about Marvin Gaye. And I hadn't been saying Marvin Gaye's name a lot because I had a vision when I was like in this place where actually this individual has was around at this time and it was like a you know this is kind of the situation I'm dealing with it was around this time and around these different things. But you know 
I encountered Marvin Gaye. And he said to me, I was listening to his music because I started to backslide. God had already led me out of secular music and told me that I could only listen, you know, just show me to only listen to gospel and barely even that. Like, make my own gospel music, sing your own gospel songs, make your own music at this point. Because you never know where somewhere else, someone else is with God. And you're singing their lyrics, don't know what that is sowing gets to your life. So you have to, like, just make your own music, you know. When you're in a different place with God, you will have wanted to. Just like you don't want someone else's work. You want to do your own work. So, all I know is, you know, I, w- I went back to Marvin Gaye's song because I felt it soothed me. Like, I truly felt like, you know, this is, like, this is the kind of music I like listening to because I felt that I've grown up on it and it's, like, nostalgic and like it make it reminds you of simpler times. It reminds you when things weren't this complicated or difficult, and Satan wasn't, you know, destroying so much in your life, or you know, being as obvious or prevalent on his. You know, things didn't seem so messed up. Like to, when you see how Satan is using people, when you see how messed up people are, when you see people's death wishes for you, you know, sometimes you just want little memories, just any little thing that reminds you of simpler times when things weren't this bad. You know, even if you know that Satan was there the whole time and doing the same thing he's doing now, if not worse, still, you just want to remember what it was like for you when you didn't know or you were unaware for just a second, just so you can calm your mind because you feel as if you are going off of the deep end when you're dealing with everything that you have to deal with. And that's how I was feeling. So I played Marvin Gaye's music. And God didn't want me taking any breaks. I said that like it's it's right now. God is that it's like his crunch time. There's no breaks right now. There's no, you know, sitting back and admiring all, you know, the trophies and the different things you've gone through. Get through this. Don't look back. Don't allow him to distract you. No breaks right now because he's just trying to give you temporary comfort when you can have the permanent solution right now. You can have the key to that cage and be released forever. These chains can come off of you right now forever. You can be free. And he's just trying to give you like some sort of comfort. Maybe he'll loosen the chain for you a little bit instead of getting them completely off. Don't fall for the bait. So that's what I'm realizing. But I, I fall for it. I fell for it for a second. I turned on Marvin Gaye's music and he showed up to me. And I said, they have been saying, like, that's Marvin Gaye. He's telling you don't listen to the music. He's telling you turn it off. He's telling you that it's torturing him every time you listen to these people's music when they've gone to hell for their music. Each and every single last time the music is played, they're tortured more. So you have to understand that there are people out here in this world, millions, billions of people who play their songs millions of times over the years. And each and every single last second that it is being played, they are being tortured more. You do not want to be one of those people who contribute to that. You just don't. Just for the simple fact that, you know, when you understand the, you know, when you understand the severity of that. Like, that's sad. You don't ever want nobody to be tortured like that. That's horrible. But then on another note, you know, he also said to me, because I had a question, you know, I was like, okay, I'll turn it off. And I turned it off once I realized it was really him. And he showed me himself. And I I had a question like, because you're here able to warn me about these different things, what does your torture really look like? You can't be possibly being tortured that much if you can come and tell me how this is torturing you. And he's like, you know, he showed me. His skin was melting off of his body in a pit of fire. 
He was sitting in a pit of fire, demons running around, his skin melting off of his body. And I was like, I couldn't believe that I really saw that. And I've been just like, oftentimes I'm just reminding myself, this is what it's like. This is what it's like. This is what you have to remind yourself, to motivate yourself, that you cannot stay here. This is not comfort. You are not safe. This is dangerous. You are in danger. Keep fighting. Know who God is. This is real because this is around a time where I was trying to tell myself this is not real. This stuff is not real. That was not really Marvin. He does not really say turn this music off. Some of this stuff just don't feel like it's real. And then he showed up like this is real trying to warn me. And he said to me that if I warned you and I told you not to listen to my music and you kept listening to it and I was tortured and you knew when you get here, I'm going to torture you for listening to it. So not only are you torturing them every single time you listen to their music, you're increasing your tournament when you get there. Each and every single last artist, each and every single last song, each and every single last lyric or second that you have participated in these things that were not of God, you will be tortured for when you get there. So look, you a lot of people are idolizing a lot of these people. Idolizing Marvin Gaye, idolizing James Brown, idolizing Michael Jackson, idolizing, you know, these folks who have died and gone to hell. And the fact that matter is you die and go to hell, you will not, you will know the difference between idolization by that point. Because you will be there being tortured by these people. They will torture you. You will not no longer want to worship them. You will be tortured. Trust me, you will realize it. You will have to realize it one way or another. So you might as well realize it now. Let it go. It's not worth it. Let these people go. Yes, they seem super wonderful. It's like this person was talented. Listen to their voice. Listen, you know, they're dancing and the impact that they made. They were beautiful. These are regular people. And anything that you, any part of you that wants to place them above an average human being or everyday person just like yourself or the person sitting next to you is the demons that is attached to whatever destiny that they possibly sold over to Satan. For what should it profit a man to, you know, gain the world but lose his soul? Marvin Gaye was such a wonderful, beautiful man who, who, who was brought up in a home raised on God. His father was a preacher. And he was raised in a church. And he had a beautiful voice that should have stayed in the church. And that's oftentimes what it comes down to. You know, yes, everything outside of God that is not giving glory to God in the highest at all times. And yes, it's very deep. It's deep. When you start to believe that it's not, what you do is place yourself in a, you know, 50-50 chance. It's a 50-50 chance. It's actually, it's the, the chances are actually a little bit more technical than that. But I would just call it a 50-50 chance just to keep it simple, which means you know, God loves you. He's going to show mercy and grace on your soul. He's going to judge you effectively. He's perfect in his judgment. So you will possibly get in. But then on the other hand, you know, you've been wrong. You know, you're forgiven, but you're full of sin. And you're filthy. And he's fighting for you all the time. But at the same time, you know, you should have gotten up and fought more for yourself. He loves you anyway. You may possibly still get in. He may possibly still rule in your favor, but he may possibly not. Like he may possibly feel as if, you know, no, you know, I'm just, I'm just tired of people just ignoring me. 
I'm tired of all these different individuals that, you know, I warned and they were just like, oh, I'll just let God carry me through it. Like, depart from me. Just go to hell. He may possibly do that. He may possibly feel like, you know, even though as wrong as you were, I love you so much. I don't want to see you there. You, you can come in. You don't know, though. So, you know, don't don't take a gamble on your life. Don't even play with it like that. Don't even play with your life or your soul, your eternity like that. Be be diligent. Be intentional. Be purposeful. You know, work harder. You know, die for Christ daily. Sacrifice as much as you can. Like, do everything that you can to build your rapport with God so that you are more on the spectrum of you were trying. You were more intentional about it. You were actually trying to be better. Yes, the devil fought you, but you kept him busy. Keep him busy. So, that matters. There are people who are being carried. And then there's individuals that God is recruiting to carry them. Don't be the one that God recruits to carry, you know, to carry you. Don't be carried for, for more reasons than just the fact that, you know, it may come down to the fact that you get sent back, you know, just because you aren't doing your own work. Would you want someone else to do your work for you? The fact of the matter is I'm doing everything I can on behalf of everybody else. I can possibly do it on at all times. I'm suffering all the time for everybody else around me. But I can tell you right now and I can attest from a first person point of view as an angel, I slip up a lot. I won't say a lot, but I slip up. And when I slip up, that can be you. That don't mean take it out on me. Trust me, you don't want to keep adding more work for me. But what I'm saying is, wouldn't you want to do your own work? Would you want somebody to slip up on your test? I don't want it to be me. I don't want to be the person that, you know, your mistake, you know, fell on. Ain't no telling who it would be today. It might be my mother or it might be this random stranger. There's no telling. That's why I have to work very hard every single time and show no partiality because don't think that I'm just going to slip up knowing that it was a stranger. It was you that day. I, I don't know. It could have been anybody that day. You don't know. But I'm working very hard every single day like it is my mother, like it is my father, like it is my brother or my sister. I'm working every single day like that because I have to and it could still be you. So do your own work. Why would you want somebody to do your work for you? I've slipped up lately and I'm wondering, like, who was that? Who had to take the fall for that? Who had to take, you know, the heat for that? I'm fighting for way too many people. I've seen people, you know, even my own family, because there's been so many different people who have just fallen off, you know, in the process. But one time it was my own family. And they fell into a pit. They fell into a pit as I held on to them and tried my best to save them. They fell into the fire. So I'm working hard every day like that's possibly my family member that's going to fall into the fire this day. And there's some people around you who don't care either. We're all family. There's a lot of people who are going to do everything in their power to try and make sure that that happens every day all the time. They want the whole crew in the pit. They want you in the pit. So, do your own work. There's people out here, there's way too many people who I've been around lately who have been, you know, in the mindset of, why would I do it when I got you to do it for me? Well, you say you out here working so hard for people. You say you out here fighting for me. You say you'd be willing to die for me. Well, okay, well, I'm not going to do it then because you're already dying for me. 
I got you. You gonna you gonna handle it. I don't care. And you don't understand. Like you gonna want to do that work for yourself because I'm doing all that I can. But I'm not perfect like Jesus. And even Jesus, as perfect as he is, is still losing souls because we are headed for destruction and we have a choice. We're choosing what we want. So that being said, you know, think about the best thing or the thing that's most important to you in life right now. If it's not Jesus, if it's not what I'm talking about and think about allowing someone else to, you know, handle that. You think about how they couldn't possibly handle it, how you want it to be handled. Or how you need it to be handled. Because they don't know what you need or what you want out of it. Or they possibly wouldn't fight as hard for it. Because they don't care as much about it as you do or you should. That's what it's like for your soul. Don't let somebody handle that. Get up and fight for yourself. Get up and do it yourself. Make it happen. You don't want someone else carrying you. Trust me. Because they, when they slipped up, you possibly could you possibly wouldn't have done that. You might have done it better. You might have gotten a better score. When you let somebody else carry, you you put that in their hands. You're allowing that control over your life. They get a 70% or a C. You could have got an A+. Get up and do your own work. So, if that doesn't motivate somebody, you know, the other thing that does is like, you know, you're, you know, you, you possibly could be headed for destruction with a mindset that cannot be motivated by just a simple fact that your soul is on the line. That's what it is. So that's me saying from a learning perspective. I'm learning every day. I'm still making mistakes. Oftentimes, you know, I know I need to be doing better. And I'm 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 not doing as best as best as I can be doing. But I'm fighting. I'm fighting to get people to see that. But another message I want to come on here say before everything is done. I also want to talk about how, like, a lot of us as believers, we are kind of like news, news, you know, anchors. We're kind of like, we're like telling the news, you know, like Wazoo off of The Lion King, you know, read all about it. We're, we are displaying the news of what's going on in the kingdom. We're telling the news. God has already warned me about this. You kind of don't want to be or have that role. It's nothing wrong with it. You're helping people. But at the same time, you know, when he has something more for you, then it's like, would you want to sit around talking about it? Would you want to be in action getting it done? So I'm seeing that too. And, you know, I'm still confident in the fact that this can help somebody. And that always warms my heart. But I just want to take that into consideration as well. You want to be somebody that's actually making it happen. You can be both, though. You know, I am both. But, you know, this is why you have to be careful when you start putting these different things over other things. You have to start. You have to be. I'm just saying, like, when you're displaying the news, be careful with it. Still be on guard. Still have your guard up. Still be at war. Still be fighting while you're still trying to, like, get this message out to people. Oftentimes, when you're really fighting, you don't have to do that. The message is going to get to them when they, you know, when they run into you while you're fighting for their souls. But both can be possible and both can happen. And that's something I've noticed. So I'm trusting God because I know that he does everything for a reason. And nothing is for no reason. And even if just to make me feel better and get a lot of these different things out. And sometimes I recognize different things in the process. You know, 
even if that that's fine so we will see but as i said you have to study if you if you really want to be a part of this army you really want to fight for god and you really want to build your rapport and make a difference and be you know a real warrior for christ start studying sin and people in their sin like god does people are going to start trying to call you weird or crazy or paranoid or all these other things like they try to call me the you know i know some people some of some of us have heard it before like you're nosy or they'll say they'll say either you're nosy or they'll say you know you're into that. You're you're super into that. Like that's your that's just your fetish or that's something that you're into. You're weirdly into these things and that's why you are always on that. That's why you're always in that area. And the thing is God's placed something inside of you. God has placed something in your heart. God has placed something in your destiny in order to fight these different things. So yes, he has you studying that like you're one of them. That's oftentimes what it takes to take it down. You're going to have to be in a crowd. You're going to have to be a part of it. You're going to have to learn all this different stuff they be into and doing. And then when, some, when you repeat it back to someone, someone will be like, so you're not one of them? And you're going to be like, I'm one of them in order to eliminate all of them. That's what it is. Get down and dirty like a detective. You have to detect sin. You got to be that for God. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to mean it. That's what he's doing. Every single time somebody's out here doing somebody's wrong, Jesus is right there. He sees everything. He knows all. He's on it. You got to be on it. That's what it is. I don't even care about, you know, people's opinions about that anymore. Because I'm like, I've realized that I'm like, wait. Anything I ever fell into, anything I ever done, anything that I've ever, you know, gravitated towards is something inside of me that God wanted me to find out about. It's, it's a reason for it. God is pulling something out of me in order to eliminate an entire area, group, or operation that Satan is in on. You are a warrior for Christ. He has you on so many different, you know, levels, working on so many different things. And, of course, Satan is going to try and attack whatever he can attack in order to distract you from doing what you are doing. He's going to say, you know, you're one of us or he's going to try to take you down in the process and make you one of them in order to keep you from getting them. And then when you try to save these bad guys, he's going to say, I knew you were one of them because why would you want to save them? That's the point. I'm here to save them, not condemn them or judge them. That's God's job. If I'm here defending them or saving them or even willing to do whatever it is with them in order to study them enough in order to possibly in the future put that towards pulling them out of whatever it is that has them pinned down or chained to whatever sin it is in, that is not your business if you're not going to help. Hopefully you're studying it to help too. Make sure there's intent and purpose behind the reason why you're calling someone out on something. The reason why you're criticizing, that's why it's called constructive criticism. Are you trying to help or do you just want to call it out? And if you want to call it out, isn't that a waste of time? Make it mean something. Make it count. 
I called you out because I wanted to study what it is that you're doing so I can make a difference moving forward. I see the way that you're doing things. I thought it was clever or creative or even crafty if Satan is using you. So if I have to study you enough to get each and every single last thing that you're doing, all your tactics down packed in order to prevent what you're going to be doing or someone else possibly getting that idea moving forward, that's what I'm going to have to do. But, you know... I face and I fight my own different battles or obstacles because a lot of times, you know, I see that God has placed me on a down a path for a destiny that is a lot greater than anyone else has possibly seen before in their lives. It's going to be a lot of people who don't want to see you get there, who don't want to see you have it, who are working overtime to prevent you from having that or getting there because they see that inside of you. You know, let them. Let them. Leave that alone. They're going to fight for you not to have something the wicked fall into the traps that they set. Do not participate with any wrong intent towards anything of that nature. And if you have something inside of you that's gravitating towards, you know, getting back at them or vengeance or being upset about something or lingering too long on something that does not matter, the only thing you should be doing is praying for their betterment. The only thing you should be doing is, you know, asking God to help them. The only thing you should be doing is trying to help them never with no wrong intent or no hurt heart or nothing, no ill intent towards them in any any way, shape, or form, period. If you are not doing that, then they're winning. But when you are doing it, that's all you need to do. That God has everything else handled. And yes, you can, when you get to a certain point of understanding, go back and fight them too. And it will not be vengeance. If, of course, your heart is in the right place. So get your heart in the right place first if you truly want to be involved with stopping these individuals. It's the only way you're going to be able to do it. Otherwise, you're too susceptible, you're too vulnerable, and you possibly could fall into becoming one of them if you don't stay on guard. So guard your heart. Allow God to guard your heart. Give it to him. It's possible for you to give God your heart and let him guard it for you and never ask for it back. But just know and be warned that if Satan knows that you've given God your heart, he's going to trick you into getting it back for yourself. He's always going to trick you into trying to take credit. This is why it's so important not to take credit for nothing that you are doing. Excuse me, for nothing that God is doing through you. Let God do it. Give him all the credit. This is God. It's not me. It's God. I'm just a vessel. God is doing this. Every time you say I or me or this or that, every single time Satan is trying to use you in order to, you know, trick you into taking back these things that God is guarding for you. Say God so that, you know, when you say I, you're not taking things back. You're not taking things back from God because when you have it, Satan is like, oh, I can get it from you. I can snatch it out of your hands. I can beat you. But if you give it to God, I can never get it. I can never touch it. So I got to convince you into saying it's you. Never say you. Always give glory to God. Practice that. So that's why it's so important. I think that's been one of the big major things that God has me working on right now. And if I have to be quite honest... And I don't want to jump to conclusions or make assumptions, but I feel that when you get to a certain level of people who have a lot of money or who are super accomplished and successful, you may see this more often. Them not being willing to give the credit to God. They believe that after all their hard work and everything they've had to go through, God does not deserve the credit and it's not fair that they should have to give their credit away. This is what God has me noticing and fighting 
it is not you. It was not you. It doesn't matter if you were bleeding, sweating, and crying each and every single last second of everything that you feel you've earned. That was God. God did it. It doesn't matter how you feel or see it. He did it. He did it. And as long as you don't want to give God the credit, Satan has all rights to everything that you've done. So you're going to give him credit one way or another. You're going to say God did it. And you want, because, you know, if you have the attitude, like, I don't have to give him the credit. I did the work and I don't feel like somebody else should have the credit for it. Satan, go take credit for it if you don't give God credit for it anyways. And he don't love you. He has all hate for you. So he don't care if you lose everything today. Give God the credit. He will protect it for you. It's okay. He did it. It's okay. People think I'm avoiding certain things. You never avoid it. You never avoid certain things, but it does take practice because sometimes we just don't understand this is a part of who we are. This is how we are. We just naturally gravitate towards these things. So fight Satan. Fight him on these things. Okay, so I woke up from this vision. Again, I am riding down Coventry, my hometown. So I feel that I'm back in my hometown right now. And I'm riding down Coventry in my hometown. And things are different. Like, I don't know why it feels like things in my mind or in my head. How I used to see, how I used to see things. Like, if I saw a certain area as, like, you know, really poor, really, like, wretched or just like this is where all the low lives are in my mind that's where that's where it is when that's how it is when i see it in these visions like somehow my mind has associated with those things so that's how it is then certain areas that feel like it's more like christ-like or it's more like you know the light is shining and you feel more protected you know i go in these areas and that's what they are they're simple they're protected you know by god and it's the, you know, the good people, that's where they are. So this is where I'm at. I'm on, I'm riding down Coventry, just riding through this time, though, because maybe, you know, maybe it has something to do with me not necessarily belonging there right now, not until I get, you know, my priorities straight. I mean, technically, my priorities are straight, but there's different individuals around me who, if I continue to associate with them and they pretty much belong in a low-life section, You know, it's kind of like it's a middle ground because I'm always fight them on things, but they're going to still be, you know, who they are. So it's a possibility that they might, you know, bring negative consequences or actions to a good environment. And I just don't want to risk it. So it feels like middle middle ground. But when you put hot and cold together, you don't always get warm. You know, sometimes you get hot still depending on how effective the cold is sometimes you get cold still depending on how effective the hot is so I feel like that's also something like you know I was thinking about and I was considering lately like you know are you strong enough to pull everybody out of the darkness or is your is your light strong enough to pull everybody around you out of the darkness or is the darkness going to over camp and then take Take you and everyone in the darkness pulls your light out. There's a couple different technicalities to this. The technicalities being, 
you know, if there's a bunch of different people in the darkness having to pull you specifically out of the light and you have all these different people up against you, then you should know that your light is already enough to pull them all out of the darkness. That's number one. Number two, you know, them pulling you out of the light, there's always an opportunity and there's always a chance that you may decide that you're not, you know, willing, you you could see that, you know, you're not going to be able to save them. You're not going to be able to tech, to necessarily help them. You're not going to be able to pull through on, on pulling them out of the darkness and you can just stay in the light. You can go without them. You don't have to pull these people out of the darkness. You don't have to stay there fighting them to pull them out of the darkness. You can leave. You can take yourself and go and be happy and be free. But of course, you'll be missing out on the opportunity to have been, first of all, so much stronger, so much better because of it. Learning, having learned so much in the process, even if that information no longer serves you after you've actually helped these people. But at the same time, you may have an opportunity to, you know, just may have an opportunity to find your freedom. So, you can be in the light and you can understand that, you know, that was an assignment for a reason. And now, you know, I may not know it or understand it, but there's just so much more that I will never know. There's so much more that I will never have experienced because I backed down from a challenge because I did not, you know, fight past it. I didn't accept whatever came with it and decide to, you know, prevail past all circumstances. One thing that I feel like I've been you know, going through lately is battling, you know, feeling like I'm just so big and so great because it's like pride and vanity and arrogance. So I'm always fighting that, doing everything I can to stay humble and operate in a spirit of humility and never forget what God has shown me. What he showed me in 2020 was that... Out of all the times I think that I'm right and I cannot see any wrong in my actions, I'm so wrong. And so I have to take that into consideration at all times. Even when, you know, I'm doing everything in my power to be right, I have to take it into consideration. I could still be 100% wrong. And so it's difficult. It gets difficult because you feel like, well, obviously I have to be right in some area. I have to be right about something because I have God. And so... Clearly, there's something that he's doing through me for this circumstance. There's something that he's doing in me in this process in order to bring me to the place where I will be made right in him or at least more right. So clearly something has to be right. So you're constantly fighting what is right and what is wrong, even though you understand that your logic is nothing compared to God's. So that's the difficulty. It's like I don't want to feel like I'm super right and become self-righteous. But I also don't want to feel like I'm 100% wrong because I can't be. I can't be 100% wrong. If I'm 100% wrong, there's no chance for me. And there's a chance for me. There is a chance for me. So I guess it, it, the only thing that could possibly anchor you and keep you grounded is the idea that the only thing right in you is God. And so 
everything outside of that is pride, vanity, and arrogance. The only thing right in you is God. If you don't, you don't have it. Turn to him every single time. You Every single time you need an answer, every single time you need a, a, a move, you need a guidance, you need, you know, notes, you need some sort of proof, example, evidence, whatever. Turn to God. So that's something I've been battling lately. But, you know, I'm just being reminded, like, you're good. I know I'm in this place right now where I've sensed a challenge. I've sensed a next level challenge, but also just suspecting whether I should ever trust that because it feels like God has shown me something. He's shown me that, you know, at your lowest, at rock bottom, no one was there for you but me. And, you know, everybody had, I gave everybody an opportunity to be there for you. Nobody was there for you. And that's just what it is. So anybody coming around now after all of this suffering, everything that I've made you into, pretending as if they would have helped you, they didn't. They didn't. And that's what it is. That's really what it is. But should you, something I've learned in the process of this all, you know, should should that keep you from opportunities to better yourself, though? Because one thing I've asked God to do is show me, teach me, help me to learn how to operate in an environment with people who don't like me, people who don't mean well for me. Still allow me and help me to move and push past and operate properly. So I'm learning in the process of the situation, like just because somebody wouldn't have been there for you or wouldn't have helped you or don't care about you, does not mean that God doesn't possibly still, you know, intent for you to work with these people work with them moving forward in order to get the next level you you need to know how to handle yourself in those environments you need to be able to handle yourself correctly so you know writing everybody off or saying i won't rock with them because they weren't there for me when i really needed them and i don't need anybody and doing it that way is just you know it can be done it always can be done but it's like, it's probably difficult. And that's, even if that's not even one of your fears, even if that's not something that you are worried about, you know, it's about the simple fact, like God may require for you to learn those type of skills. He wants you to learn how to operate around different individuals who don't mean well for you. He did with Judas. So Jesus knowing everything and knowing everybody who was around him at all times. In the Bible, it says that he kept himself from them. He... He kept himself from them and stayed from around people because he knew it was in their hearts and that none of them really meant well. So that's what I'm that's what I'm going through. That's what I'm living in, you know, and you will have to go through the same thing that Jesus went through. You will have to be persecuted in his good name, but it's worth it rather than being persecuted for any other reason, whether that be for money or attention or power or some sort of, you know, false sense of respect. It's worth it to be persecuted in God's good name. It's worth it. A lot of people will sit up there and say, no, it's not worth it. You know, I wouldn't do it that way. Or they'll laugh at you and they'll make it really hard for you. They'll torture you and they'll torment you. But the truth is, you know, you're, you being tormented right now, you getting your consequences immediately is the best thing anybody could ever do for you. If somebody slap you in your face, to your face, that's the best thing someone could ever do to you, do for you. I'd rather somebody spit on me, in my face, to my face, 
then stab me in my back when I'm not looking, catching me off guard and preventing me from, you know, possibly moving forward when I least expected it. But you have to fight to get people to do stuff to your face. And the way that you fight them to get them to do it to your face is you just fight to make sure that they know that you will never forget that you know who they are. You know who God has shown you who they are to you. You never forget, never get comfortable in the idea maybe they've changed. Maybe they're different or maybe it's not like that. It's what God said it is. And unless he tells you that they've changed, they haven't. So you don't get it in your mind like, oh, I want to like them. You're lying to yourself and you're accepting that lie. So that's what I'm seeing. But I battle this every day. I battle this all the time, you know, lying to myself and accepting lies about people just because you want to. It don't even probably necessarily have anything to do with the person or who they are. Sometimes it has to do with little acts of kindness that you feel like you really need it. And sometimes people can be considerate, but overall their agenda is selfish and they they have ill intent for you. They just don't care about you. So even though that act of kindness may have been comforting or it may have helped you through something, it just doesn't trump their overall intent for you. It never will. And that's what it's about. So that's difficult. It's, it's easier said than done. I'm battling that, you know. I'm battling different environments and different situations with people who, you know, on the outside and everything they're doing, it's like, you're for me. You do everything for me. You're so helpful. You make me feel better. I'm comfortable around you. I feel loved. It feels like you pay attention. You're attentive. You're caring. You're, you know, I need you. You need me. All this other stuff. But then their intent in the background, in the base of everything, their intent is to destroy you. Their intent is, you know, it may not happen now, but it's going to happen slow but surely. And matter of fact, I might like that because I might like looking you dead in your face while I smile and pretend as if I'm for you, but in the background, I'm draining your blood so that you'll die slowly. And I'll be there when I see you on your deathbed and I'll know in my heart that I have contributed to that. There, these are, there are people who will smile in your face sitting around you with that exact tint in their heart and they love it. They live for it. So you thinking, well, maybe they didn't mean it. They mean it. They mean it. They meant it. That's what it is. And then there's people who will be the worst kind of person to you. They curse you out. They never want to be around you. Every single time they're trying to ruin things for you to your face and behind your back. They are you know, seemingly so destructive, hateful. You can't stand stand around them and seem like they're draining. And, you know, they're disgusting. And they're, they're all these other stuff that, you know, they're just, to you, the worst kind of person. They don't ever do anything for you. It doesn't feel like they love you. It doesn't feel like they care for you. It doesn't feel like they would ever want the right things for you. But deep down in their heart, in the base of everything, they mean well. They would never really wish bad on you. They want you to succeed. They may behave in this in this manner. It may seem that way and it may hurt you. And you may not ever want anything to do with that, that sort of environment or having to be around that. But deep down, they really mean well for you. And you can take this example or, or comparison. When you were, you know, 
in your rebellious stage, which we have all had them and maybe still still are in them. When you're in your rebellious stage and your parents are just like no to everything. No, 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 no. I don't agree with that. I don't want you to do that. I don't support that. No. And you just feel like they're always so negative or when they're cursing you out. You know how hard I work for you to get to this place. You're so ungrateful. You're so unappreciative. Every single time you feel like all you have to hear is negativity from them. And like they simply just do not care for you or love you. But in the base of everything, they're trying to protect you. They're trying to help you. They're trying to keep you grounded. They're trying to keep you from believing that fake love is real love. So you know what real love is. And so real love look like that sometimes. Real love look like, you know... Everything you don't want. Sometimes that's what it is. And this world is going to deceive you. This world is going to play over you. This world is going to make you believe that real love is what fake love look like. And that's how you get caught up. Because you will never have known until it's too late. When Satan drag your soul down to hell, only by then will you know that he's hated you the entire time. He's hated your entire existence. And that was the goal from the chump. Nothing he ever did was for you. And then your heart will be broken. So it's better for it to be broken right now. Around individuals who are going to tell you to your face what the truth is. And be truthful. Be honest. And mean well for you. I'm still battling that. I have a rebellious different. I have different re- rebellious, you know, characteristics about myself that I'm doing everything in my power not everything in my power but I'm fighting every day to allow God to prune from my life excuse me I know I'm super wrong in so many different areas and even after everything that I've gone through and all the suffering torture and torment that I've gone through and choosing God he still wouldn't be wrong for sending me to hell for all the things I'm not doing I understand that. I appreciate, you know, I appreciate everything that God is, every opportunity God has afforded me. That being said, you know, I'm in a car and I'm driving down the street called Coventry from my hometown. We're passing this street called Cedar. And... As we're driving through, all I can think about is all the good times and all the good memories and all the good feelings that this street and these homes have brought me because I just like to ride through and see the beautiful houses and sometimes they're dressed up on Christmas and it's just such a good environment, such a good vibe. You know, two churches within like, you know, possibly like 50 feet proximity of each other, it feels prayed over in this area. It feels extremely prayed over. Matter of fact, it's like three churches in this area. It feels extremely prayed over. You know, even if they don't necessarily fully believe everything that you believe because some of these are Catholic churches and, you know, I've come to learn that, you know, certain things are just not, they're just not, you know, the truth of God fully. But it feels prayed over in this area. It feels good. It feels like good people. So I'm driving through and then we stop at this home. We go to this house and this person is driving and I can hear their music. And I didn't used to, I haven't heard this in like a year. No, no, maybe possibly like six to eight months. I haven't heard this person's music in my visions. But before they would show up and they would play their music in my visions. And I would be in full support. I've always been in full support of their music. 
you know, despite despite me knowing the truth that, you know, if it's not about God, if it's any kind of secular music that's not glorifying God's name at all times, if it's not gospel music, you're headed straight to hell. There's no way that God is going to approve of that. That's genocide. If you do make it, that is genocide. And so I remember having a conversation with this person. One day I was just, you know, minding my business at home, thinking about God, thinking about chasing my dreams, thinking about one day who I will be and what will happen and, you know, who will be there kind of thinking about this person, their dreams, seeing if, like, they would ever match up or fit together, if they could possibly even go together. And then I think God put it on my heart. He put it on my heart. He laid it out for me heavily. Like, you know, in order for someone to, you know, actually succeed in the area that this individual, you know, wants to succeed in, what that takes and what that requires. And and I'ma lay it all out. I'ma lay it all out brutally honest. This is what this is what God said to me in my heart. I believe it was God. Possibly hopefully it was God. But this is what this is what happened. You know, he said they're gonna have to do gay stuff. They're gonna have to, you know, be homosexual. Homosexual for these contracts, homosexual for these, you know, opportunities. They're going to have to, you know, sell their souls to the devil. Possibly sacrifice people. All kinds of heinous, disgusting crimes and acts in order to see these songs and albums and this career succeed in life. In order to see it actually, you know work out for them and when I realized that you know it's like it was a question like and do you want that like is that something that you are okay with because I've been told this like my whole life because if you wanted it you could have it you could do it and anybody who came with you anybody who was around you that wanted that you make it happen just by your destiny just because of your destiny, they will be able to do that. If you were on board, you can make it all happen. I've been told this my whole life. And I've always said, well, then that sounds a lot like no. That sounds a lot like no, I would never want that. That sounds a lot like no, I would never want, you know, for things. I would never want to go in that direction because why would Satan be offering me so much unless he's taking so much more? I'm not a fool. I know how God works. Satan will never give you more than what you what he's taking from you. And he's never giving you anything. So why would I ever take that? Why would I ever want that? Why would I ever choose that? I've had people tell me, you are so selfish. You are so selfish because you know that you're the you're the key. You're the you know, you're the the chance, you're the opportunity, and you can make everybody's dreams come true just if you are on board with it, but you refuse to be on board and you prevent everybody else from having their dreams. You don't love us. How could you love us? How could you care for us? How, how you know, 
how could you be, you know, for us? How could you be on the side of good? You know, you're selfish. How are, how come you're seen as a selfless one? That's selfish. And I've had re- more recently people tell me on multiple different occasions as they, like, I feel like trying to kick me down my back. You know, you don't deserve your life. You don't deserve your destiny. Because what they would do with it, what would you do with it? Well, I would get a deal for me and whoever else I feel like it, I will rule, you know, I will rule over everybody and make everybody bow down to me and respect me for the rest of their life. Now, you got to go through me. You can't handle power when you got intentions like that. Your intent is to abuse power, abuse people with power, take full advantage, and you don't even know what to do with power. You know, somebody like you would have never made it past a certain level without even, you know, the example of somebody else who knows how to use power. And that's what it is. That's really what it is. But at least God felt your destiny was good enough for you to see an example of it. There's people out here who don't even see an example of what to do with some power. So you can always see that you're more, you know, you got at least you got that. But at the end of the day. Anybody who would sell their destiny in God for anything Satan has to offer could never tell me I don't deserve my life. What are you talking about? You would have gave your soul up for nothing, but I don't deserve my life. But that's the thing. You know, some people are so hell-bent on destruction. They don't understand the truth of God. They don't understand the love of Jesus. They don't understand he's worth Everything you have to suffer through, he's worth it. And I have to be honest, I don't quite fully understand it 100% at all times either. And the reason why is because if I did, then I would never not be doing everything God asked me. I would have never have made a mistake in my life and not still be making them if I truly understood the love of Jesus and how much he's worth every second of every torture, every amount of anything you feel like you're missing out on, you're not missing out on a thing. So, when when God had this conversation with me, and I believe it was God, but I have to be, you know, after finding out that so many different people were, you know, playing over me my entire life, I just, you know, I wonder, I wonder, you know, if maybe this was even God. But this conversation came out the blue, and I knew this stuff, and that's what, that's what makes me question if it was God, because if I know it, when well, you know it, that's God. But everything happens for a reason. But. Excuse me. All I know is this person came back. This person had got back later that day. And it had been on my heart. And I had been heavy hearted about it. I felt like the like the sun and the sky just got dark. I felt like I was just in a dark environment. It just got dark and it just got sad. And I was so heavy hearted. And I just mourned certain people. And I feel like in reality, looking back after all the information that I've gotten and I've been given throughout this situation, I think that that was the moment or this was around the time that these individuals decided to sell their soul for a chance at my destiny. For a chance at this this selfish future without Jesus. And this is when they counted themselves out of it. Possibly. 
looking back, I'm just like, God, you know, how come? How come you place me in an environment with people who will never understand how hard it how hard it is to, you know, how hard it is to be around people who don't understand how important you are? Why would you not give me somebody who understands that you are everything, that you mean everything, that you should never be disregarded for nothing in this world. It should never. I mean, yeah, we make mistakes. We we do silly things. And oftentimes we are very irresponsible with the decisions that we make and how it will affect people. Maybe, maybe not even considering how we're supposed to. But at the end of the day, you know, to not be grounded in the fact that Regardless of the mistakes that I made or regardless how wrong I am, regardless of the, of the fact that I might still even go to hell for the things that I've done despite this fact of what I'm going to ultimately choose, which is the fact that nothing will ever be worth that, you know, missing out on God, choosing over God, you know, risking God for None of it. It would it would never be worth it. Satan could never promise you anything in this world that would ever be worth what God is promising. That would ever trump it. And then how can you ever believe him anyways when he could never beat him? You know. I come from like an environment where this kind of stuff, you know, oftentimes it's brought up in conversation, but I don't want to say that it matters so much, but would you, you know, would you go, if somebody who always get beat up by somebody, like they're always getting beat up, they can never win. Like, that's just the fact. The fact is they can't win. They get, they would get beat up. It's not a possibility they could win. It's not a maybe one day they could. It's not a, you know, you don't know that for real. You don't know. It's possible that they could win one day or maybe they just ain't give it all or maybe they just, you know, no, they will never win. Like they just get beat up. That's just what it is, Right. Would you go and bet money on them? Would you go and, you know, allow them to promise you, look, I can protect you from them? Would you would you want to be protected by someone who can't even protect themselves from this individual? No. So, some people would, though. You know, just because they'd be like, you know, I know you get beat up. I know the truth. But if you could still be over here lying and pretending like you're not getting beat up, then I can do that too. So I'd rather sit on your side than go be over there with the person who actually will win. That's how some people are. And I just never, I, I hate to sound ungrateful. I never understood why God never gave me somebody who understand that, who understand who he is, understand how it's important to be doing the work, to be on the side of the person who actually would win as opposed to just pretending like you would have won, knowing that you're going to always lose. What is a pretend? Like, I feel like that's where that term have your cake and eat it too comes from. Because with Satan, you would never have your cake and eat it too. With God, you always going to have your cake and eat it too. That's what cake is for. You're supposed to eat it. You're not supposed to just have it and look at it. With Satan, it's like you would never be able to do both. You will never be able to say you win it and actually win. 
You will never be able to say you can beat God and actually beat him. You will never be able to lie and cheat and actually come out on top. Well, Satan, you can never have your cake and eat it too. But with God, you always can. So I don't know why that term is always put in negative terms, possibly because Satan is such a hater. But the fact of the matter is, you know, I had a conversation with this person. What this conversation consisted of was I said to them, listen, today something just saw my heart and I just like, things just got laid out flat for me. You know, the direction that you will be wanting to go in your career and the dreams that you have for your future, you know, and possibly I even possibly have for my own, but I never really settled on anything. You know, I just had big dreams. God always, I know that. But though the direction you might possibly be going in, this is the stuff that you may possibly have to get into and do and be a part of and, you know, become and this person just like looked me in my face and was like you know got mad at me got mad at me for telling the truth said right to my face said you know and sometimes I can't stand you know your negativity or what they say said something like you know you know, I can't, I can't have dreams around you. I can't even dream or something like that. You know, why would you just shoot down my dreams? I really feel like you don't, like, you don't under, like, try to say you don't care. And I was like, man, everything you just said just told me, you know, exactly what just happened. Everything just everything you just said just told me you know exactly where I was at in my heart about that and how much I do care about you and how I chose this because I care about you so much. You just don't care. And that's crazy. That's crazy to me because I couldn't see it. I didn't want to. But this process has proven everybody like that. Those I was aware of and those I wasn't. And even though there's still individuals who are just like maybe, which just make it so difficult because like people God's putting in your life, you know, they are not necessarily even different. But I want to focus on me because maybe I'm not different. I'm not as different as I think I am. Regardless of anything, you know, I know that I am, but it's just like these things, these parts and these these portions of me that aren't as that different have to go. Because if I'm truly different, I have to just bet on that. I have to go full in 100% be on fire for God at all times. That's just what it got to be. Everything else that does not support that, they can't. it can't just linger around and stay just because it makes me comfortable. I just have to be uncomfortable. So that's not working on. But um, this person, you know, they brought me to their house. They were supposed to take me home, but they didn't take me home. And that's always a red flag because it's like, you know, I never did get that those red flags going off in my head enough where it's like every single time you're around somebody, 
and you know you should be another place. You should just go to the place you, you're supposed to be. No questions asked. Doesn't matter if you, oh, they feel cool right now, or I miss them, or, you know, things could go well, or no, just do what you were supposed to be doing when you know that's what you're supposed to be doing. It's one thing to give someone the benefit of the doubt of still being a good person. It's another thing to, you know, to get to the place you're supposed to be in and be in an environment that's better for you. I never got those. I never had it. I have to, I hate to admit it, but I have to admit it. I never had those, that alarm system that's like, you know, you know, you're supposed to be at this place, right? Okay. And this person took you here and you know better and you're still going to go through with it. And God is going to scream it at you the whole entire time. And you're still going to be sitting there like he's not screaming it at you. Like you're not even really putting enough thought into it or anything of that nature. Like I've just never had that really, but I'm starting to you know, see it more, at least I still don't have it. I'm like, it'll take a miracle from God for me to have that. But I will. I know that I will because he wouldn't be bringing it to my attention if he, if he didn't tend to fix that in me. Meaning I'm going to be transformed into the woman, and this is what he's pruning. This is what he's exposing inside of myself. I'm going to be transformed into the woman that takes heed the first alarm. The first alarm that goes off, I don't have to hear it a whole bunch of different times, and I'm still not going to ignore it a whole bunch of different times. The first time, which means on our way to this to this place, on the way there, I'm like, I don't know the, you know, I I technically I possibly don't know the way, so we'll see. But as soon as we pulled up in that driveway, I knew that I wasn't at home, and that should have been a red flag, cause I'm like. First of all, no, the first red flag was why am I even in this person's car? Why am I even with this person when I know better than to deal with this person at all? But I couldn't have helped that. I was already in the car when I when I came to. That's what that was. I should have never felt it was okay to be there, though. I don't think that I did. But the, another red flag was when we pulled up in this driveway. That's when things really start going off like he t- y'all y'all both were on the same page for him taking you home he was supposed to be taking you home this is not a mistake on his behalf for him to have been pulling up to his home you knew better you know better right now like so what is about to happen what are you about to do are you about to go in his house when he's supposed to take you home was was he stopping here to grab something for a second like what's happening and he was like you know oh, i'm just stopping here to grab something for a second then was like, you know, oh, no, actually, I'm just staying here for the night. And then I was just about to get upset, like, but you knew you were supposed to be taking me home, so why did you pull up here? But then it was just like I had this feeling like I can't speak up for myself. I can't fight this because I'm in a, I'm in a position. I'm in a bad position. Like, at this point, I'm at his disposal in a way because I'm in his home. I'm at his home in his car. How am I going to get home? I don't know how to get home from here. You know, if he doesn't want to turn that car back on and take me home, I'm kind of stuck here now. But it's good because I feel like that works out in my favor. Not that I needed it to. It works out for people to get the better understanding of, you know, the kind of uncomfortable positions that they put women in or people, period. And when it becomes rape, when it becomes sexual assault, 
when it becomes pushing past boundaries, you're not supposed to push past. That's when it becomes that. When you notice somebody is at your leisure, when you notice somebody was at your disposal and you took full advantage of that, instead of making them feel 100% comfortable and 100%, you know, no matter of fact, just stick to the plan. If the plan was to chop them off and take them home, that's what you're supposed to do. Why would you push past uncomfortable boundaries when you know you're making someone, you're pushing limits? You're pushing past limits. And I think that this is what I'm fighting. This is what I'm battling. I'm battling an entire group of people, an entire, you know, mindset, demonic stronghold on people's minds that makes them feel like sexual assault and rape is okay. That's what it is. And no one wants to admit it. They'd rather kill me than see a change in this. And it's it's what it is. Like, when you understood that somebody was in an uncomfortable position where they're either outnumbered or they just don't have the right defenses in order to stand up to you and you push past something that you wouldn't otherwise possibly be able to do if they did have the right defense system or if they were able to stick up for themselves, that's a rape. That is sexual assault, period. That's what it is. I have you in my car. You don't have a way home. So you really don't have no choice but to oblige and come in my house. That's rape. That's sexual assault. Period. Because it'll be different if I had opportunity to stick up for you, stick up for myself. I feel trapped in this situation. And you know what I would have done if I had opportunity because that was the plan. You were supposed to take me home. That type of stuff is not okay. And this is, we have a society that teaches you it's different. We have people who glorify this stuff. And I know exactly what it's like to be in that mindset. It's really bad. You've been sexual assaulted, molested, or abused for way too many times. That you, and so many people will tell you it's not a big deal. That's okay. So you start to get into it. And you start to throw and indulge yourself more into it. Because you don't want to feel like you're the only crazy or odd man out. But you've been knew it was wrong. You been knew it didn't make you feel right, and you been didn't know how to handle it. So this is how you're deciding to handle it. And please know, the people who told you that that was okay, they knew that that's how you would eventually end up dealing with it. That's why they kept pressuring you, kept trying to get you to say that was okay, kept trying to kept trying to get you to agree with that being okay. Some rapists, sexual assault, terse, will. Make you feel better than others. But they're still sexual assaulters. They're still rapists. It's what it is. The way I see it. It starts from the jump. And I may not even have even known fully better my whole life either. Because I grew up, you know, in an abused mindset. Like I said. But it starts from the jump. Like... I'm not going to force my will on anybody else in any type of way, period. Like, I think it comes down 100% to, you know, first of all, let's stick to the first plan. I don't think that we should change anything. And then, it, you know, there's certain people who are like, well, this person can change their mind. And if they change their mind, you have to be. But it's like, are you really on point like that? Are you on point to, you know, be able to pick up on when somebody changed their mind and they really meant that and they was really feeling that and they was really on board with that? Because some people, they're like, you know, you're not on point enough. You're just not on point enough. You're just you're the kind of person that's like, you know, 
oh, this is what I want, so I'm not going to be able to see certain things. So I wouldn't even risk it. Me personally, I wouldn't even risk it because you just don't know. You really just don't know. And it gets that technical. It really does. And people are going to hate me. People are going to hate me. They're going to try to make me look bad. They're going to try to throw salt on this because the fact of the matter is like, it's true. It's true. You know, I can honestly say right now, and throughout my healing process and everything that Jesus has shown me about myself and about life, I would have never dealt with no guy I ever dealt with. I still wouldn't deal with none of these guys that even have the potential to deal with right now. You know, and maybe that's something I got to work out inside of myself. But that's the point. Like, stay away from me. Period. That's, I just feel like that. Stay away from me. Leave me alone. You know, I would. If it was somebody who, it was like, you know, some people feel like, no, you got to push past that. They're uncomfortable. They're isolating themselves. You know, and you know how to help them. Just push past it. You know, they'll get used to you. It'll be better. You know, you mean well. I don't know that, though. You you can't be 100% right. You're not Jesus. You got wrong found in you. You got selfish intent found in you. You got an agenda. You know, maybe you can possibly love me like God, but you still got to, like, back off. You really do. I feel like that. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to work these different things out, but at the same time, it's like, I don't, I just feel like, you know, it's, it, it shouldn't even have to be this complicated. It shouldn't have to be this complicated. You know, you, you, you are going to have to, you know, take some sort of credit or somehow give some sort of credit to the individual that, you know, somehow behaves in a manner that makes you feel like these things are okay. Too, of course. But it's like, I feel like if, and then I've seen it be done before too. I've seen it done before in certain people and certain individuals where it's like, they're just not, they just not rapey. They're not rapey. They're not, they never force their will. They never make you feel uncomfortable. Jesus never does. Jesus never does. And he's able to pressure you and, you know, apply the right amount of pressure, which he's never really pressuring you. But Jesus is able to present the right environment in order for you to heal and show you what real love is at all times. He does it perfectly where he can, you know, where you're choosing, he allows you to choose. He allows you to choose, and it involves no manipulation at all whatsoever. I believe manipulation is rape. So, yes, women are rapists, too. Yes, they are. So, Debbie said, you know, I know that it's it's a conscious effort to, you know, somehow destroy everything that God is doing and, and exposing through me as a vessel about sexual assault and rape in uncomfortable situations is not just for women, but oftentimes women have dealt with it. You know, it's just, you know, a lot of women are going to have to, are going to deal with, be dealing with that more. You have to be careful because they test the boundaries of, you know, Satan test the boundaries of, you know, well, is God not the same type of manipulator or liar? Or is he not pr- pressuring you or forcing your, his will on you? Because 
you know, do you agree with that? And if you don't agree with that, then that must mean that God is a liar. Or God is the same type of person that, you know, Satan is. There's no different. And the thing about that is what you need to understand is that, you know, you have to put your trust in God. You have to put your faith in God. You have to trust and know that he's 100% perfect and without mistake. And everything that he says and does is right. So start there. Start there. Because otherwise, of course, just like it just sounded, possibly just sounded, it's going to feel all over the place. going to feel like there's no real core. There's no real starting point. You know, how can you make somebody feel uncomfortable when there's no start? I mean, feel comfortable when there's no starting point. The starting point is God and his word and his truth. That's that's the starting point. Everything from there should tell you and help you to and guide you to be able to, you know, avoid these these kind of situations. Reach for God. Always be reaching for God. So that being said, you know. I don't regret nobody. I don't regret nobody, but I just see them for who they were and always have been. And we are human. We're not perfect. I'm not holding it against them. But, like, I forgive them, but they are, you know, who they are. They are who they are. So I want to talk about something else really quick. You know, in the Bible, you know, there are women who they have to share a husband. They have to deal with heinous co-wives, hateful co-wives, you know, women who have no option to choose where their body goes or who they end up married to or, you know, always living a life of having men choose for them, you know. I was born, when I was born, my, my dad had already decided that he was going to betroth me to a certain man. And then when my dad married me off to this certain man, you know, or before my dad married me off to this certain man, I was never allowed to be out in public without a man by my side and escorting me. And then after that, when he married me off to this man, this man from that point on decided when he was going to use my body, where I was allowed to be at, what I was allowed to do, when he wanted to have children. And my whole life has just been chosen for me. I've never gotten a choice to choose. And wouldn't someone say that that is rape? Wouldn't someone say that that is sexual assault? And doesn't it feel as if the Bible is supporting that? But when you understand who God is, and this is also something I'm I'm having to become, become a better understanding on, it's the truth. When you understand who God is, you know, you know that his logic is right even when it doesn't feel like it is. You know that he's right even when it feels like He's wrong. And so I am submitting to the idea that, you know, just submitting to God first, trusting him that no matter how I feel or what it looks like or whatever perspective or logic that I have, it will work out in God's good name and God's good name. His will is going to work out for my life. That's what it is. But. It also, it frustrates me sometimes because it's like there is this whole part of me that fights that. There is this whole part of me that doesn't feel like that's okay. There's this whole part of me that doesn't understand these things. There's this whole part of me 
that is like, you know, totally against it, totally against it. This is the part of me that I've been fighting and I, I am fighting and have been fighting for a while. Now, recently I've started to learn how to, you know, just fight it daily and stay on top of it. Where it 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 starts in the way that you stay on top of this, in the way that you fight this, in the way that you get this done is by, first of all, telling yourself despite what you, your logic, despite your perspective or despite how you see it, it's what God said. Do everything that he said to do, no questions asked, period. Even when you don't see it or understand if that's the way to go right now, period. And it sounds so messed up and bad because oftentimes what that looks like is, you know, trusting God to send you someone to lead, a man that will lead, even when he can't lead yet. You have to trust that he's going to be ready to lead. You have to trust that he's going to be, you know, cons- you know, being made better, being made a leader. It's difficult because if you have to work your entire life to be better, you'll never be the best that you can be. You're still capable of mistakes. You're not perfect. You know, you're going to have to allow someone to lead that's not perfect, even when you feel like you know better. You got to support that 100%. It's difficult for me. It's difficult because oftentimes I'm just feeling like you haven't sent nobody on this planet I feel like can lead better than me, God. And that's just what it, that's just what it is. That's just how I've been feeling. But I'm still going to submit to whoever you send. I'm still going to submit to even the lowest for you, God. Because, you know... Maybe that's the difference. That's what it takes. You know, when you feel like nobody is is going to be able to do it better than you, let everybody do it better than you. Allow everybody to do it better than you. Only by then do you is that actually true about you? Jesus always took the lowest position. He came from heaven in the highest position. He came down here to be at the lowest position. Homeless, poor, and a nobody. He could have done and took and had whatever he wanted. On this planet was offered the world. But he already had it in heaven and he allowed himself to be he allowed himself to be an example, to be nothing here. He took nothing from us. He gave us everything. That's the example that you set. So even though God has shown me my destiny of being in the highest position, even above all men. He's always the highest position, but the highest position, you know, he can place you in. God can place you in. I would never say what he can do, but, you know, a very high position. I won't say the highest position. God's always the most high. But seeing me in a very high position, seemingly above everybody else, or at least millions of people, above the holy nation, number one. As his voice in his vessel, you know, and then seeing the type of process he's taking me through in order to get my position. And the process is let everybody feel like they can rule over you. Let everybody 
be able to let everybody lead and have a position. Don't ever oppose anybody's, you know, chance or opportunity to lead or take the power for themselves or do it how they want to do it or whatever. Let everybody just be who they want to be. Let everybody do that. That's what it is. That's what I've had to go through. I've literally had to allow the lowest of the low to, you know, step over me like they're the highest of the high. I've had to do that. I've had to sit in that position. I've had to sit through that. I've had to learn humility. And this is what's required for that position. It makes so much sense. Because what would God give you the most power if you can't handle having none? If you wouldn't be okay with not having any power? If you have a dependency on power, you don't deserve it. So, I see that. I understand that. That's where I'm at. But, you know, a lot of people just don't want to see me have it. Even despite seeing the qualities. Even despite seeing the work. Even despite seeing, you know... The process, they just don't want me to have it because I'm a woman. Can you believe that? And that somehow is so difficult for me to grasp because clearly, you know, if they possibly are in the are in positions where they have had to go through this process too, that must mean that they truly understand a lot of the right qualities and the right things in life. And yet still that part is okay. So it makes you feel like, so maybe God feels like that. That's okay. But you know that he doesn't. Because if he truly did feel like that was okay, would he have sent me? So, just staying grounded in the fact that what it is, what it is, what you know. That's that. What you know is what it is. That's what it is. It's not about what everybody else is doing. It's not about what everybody else is saying. It's not about how everybody else is pretending. It's not about how they are, you know, going about doing certain things. That's their perspective. That's their logic, and it's limited. But God's perspective and God logic sent you here. God's perspective and logic has predestined you before the stars in the sky. God's predestined, God's logic and God's perspective, you know, Gave you a purpose and a destiny here on this earth. And your purpose and your destiny is exactly what they're fighting. So how could they be right? That's what it is. I don't want to stay too caught up on the sexual assault, rape conversation. Excuse me, even though I feel that it's been brought up a little bit more lately. I don't think it really matters that much. Only because God has shown me that, you know, in order to actually make a difference or see a change in that area, first things first, you have to not be, you have to let it go. You know, have your views, see it the way that you see it, let God tailor them. You don't have to go and force them on anybody else, you don't have to pressure anybody to agree with it, you don't have to, you don't need support. You don't need support, just start with you allow God to fix you first that's what it is everything else will follow everything else work itself out trust God to handle it all that's what it is even though sometimes I get upset when I think you know 
in order for me to have a future, I will have to be, you know, abused. I will have to suffer. I was thinking about that, thinking about this earlier. And it's like, why, why, you know, why am I, not why I'm holding on, but am I wrong for feeling like, you know, this could still never be perfect because why would I have to go through all of this for, you know, perfection? That's not perfect. Perfect is perfect. Perfect means none of this suffering. Perfect means none of this ever having to happen. But for someone to say after everything and after all of this is perfect, it's like, what is perfect then? Does perfect start off as imperfect? Is that the definition of perfect? Because the difficult is difficult to me. It's difficult for me. It's like, man, if I tore everything down that you had and then gave you, you know, a a version of it that I have put back together, is that perfect? If you break a vase and then you glue it back together and give that to them, is that perfect? Is that even right? 